Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here today. It's going to be a great morning because you guys are here. I know it's going to be good. Well, I'm so glad you're here. You guys probably saw this on the chair when you sat down one of these cards. There's four different styles of this that our marketing team, which is awesome, put this together. So these cards are actually not for you. Sorry to inform you. They're for someone that you're going to give it to. Okay, so we want you to take one of these, and there's four different styles if you got one, and you think, hey, I got a friend that loves watching football. Give this card to them because you are their biggest fan. Okay, that's the card for that person. So just look at those cards. We've got a whole bunch more in the back, but we want you to take one of these and you give them to somebody because we are so excited about this night service that we're going to be starting September 8th. It's a great opportunity to invite people to church, especially people that, you know, Sunday morning, it's not their jam, you know. Whatever, for whatever reason, it's like that. So we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, a couple things with that. Tonight at 6 p.m., we're doing our dry run. Now, this isn't going to be an actual service, but we're just going to kind of set up and see what it's like because we'll be following the, the church that rents in the, in the afternoon, uh, Vida Nueva, a Spanish-speaking church, rents in the afternoon. So we're like, okay, we have to come in here and set up. So we're going to do that tonight, just a dry run. But if you're going to make Sunday night your service, we want you to be here because we're going to have a fun little rally. It's going to be good. So be here at 6 p.m. tonight and we're going to have food, right? Somebody's going to come just for the free meal. That's okay, too. We want you to be here for that. Um, uh, another thing with that, we want to offer a uh, full slate of kids program, but we need some volunteers for kids. So what we're hoping is if you're saying, hey, I love kids, I could help with our kids ministry we want you to be at that service, and maybe that could be something that you make as your ministry. Hey, I could serve somewhere at this 6 p.m. service. Um, so that's one area that we are looking for volunteers. Okay, I think that's it for uh, brief announcements. We're going to jump now into our series, uh, Redeemed When All Seems Lost, as we look at the book of Ruth. And we're in our third message, the third chapter of Ruth. So if you want to have your Bible open, you can go ahead and open up with me to Ruth chapter 3. Now, this book of Ruth is a powerful, short story of redemption. It really has captivated the minds of Jews and Christians and others for millennia. It's powerful and, and it's well-liked, but there's always been one little hiccup with the book. Chapter 3. If you've read chapter 3, you know what I'm talking about. Because chapter 3 tells about this great little lady named Ruth... But when you read it, it seems kind of scandalous because Ruth, this young, desperate widow, gets all dolled up and then in the middle of the night sneaks into the boys' club where women weren't allowed so she can approach an older gentleman at night and spends the night with him. Ooh. So when you look at this, is it a scandalous seduction or is it something else? And that's what we're going to examine today. Hello. Over the last two weeks, we've learned a little bit more about Ruth and Naomi, and we've seen them through profound grief and loss, and learned that God can bring only God can bring us from bitter to better. And we've seen Ruth make lots of decisions to move forward in spite of difficulty. And Ruth, Ruth just happened to end up gleaning in Boaz's field where she was provided for with overabundance. And we learned that we should have confidence in God's providence. And also that we should be looking for his fingerprints in our lives and praying for direction to see how we can be God's fingerprints in other people's lives. 
So now we're going to take a look at chapter 3, and I've always wondered that same question. Is this scandalous, or is there another explanation? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1, where we read, One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you, where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Starts pretty scandalous, right? Here is Naomi, the mother-in-law, realizing that the harvest is about to be over, and she wants Ruth to be provided for not just through the winter, but into the future. You've got to find a home. You've got to find a man. So she encourages Ruth to put on her best clothes, to wash up so she smelled good, put on perfume so she smelled even better, and go down in the middle of the night and find Boaz. Now, you've got to realize something about the threshing floor because that is going to be the scene uh, that's taking place here. The threshing floor would have been where they took the wheat, the barley, and they separated the wheat from the chaff. So this was kind of the final step of the harvest. But since this was the end of the harvest, the last day of labor before a full winter or whatever the season was that was coming up, this would have meant that it was time to party. See, the men had been working hard for weeks straight, from dawn to dusk, and they basically just got their paycheck, and it was time to spend it. It says they were eating and drinking. This was a huge party. This was a bash that only the men were allowed to go to. Although it is recorded in history that sometimes prostitutes would show up to these big parties because there were some men that had been drinking, and they had some money to spend. So this is a place where no respectable woman would have caught herself dead. And yet this is exactly the place where Naomi tells Ruth to go in the middle of the night. I think that really proves that a fresh level of desperation has kind of descended upon them. They, they had been cared for for the last seven weeks by Boaz, and they had food, and she was um, protected by him, but now they were facing a long winter with no food and no provision. And... <clears throat> They were really like on a survival mission. A survival mission, and that's exactly what Ruth does. She goes out into the middle of the night, and she creeps there into the threshing floor. She waits until all the men have fallen asleep after they've had their drinks. They've partied. Boaz lays down at the end of some of the grain, and Ruth approaches quietly. He approaches quietly, and it says in verse 8, in the middle of the night... Something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Ooh, what is going on here? Sounds pretty scandalous. I don't really think her intentions were what you're implying. Uh, what do you mean, though? If you look at this and look at the details of this, this is a, a young woman who 
washes up, puts on perfumes, and gets dressed in her best clothes. She is getting all dolled up to sneak in with the men in the middle of the night. Yeah, maybe it appears that way, but I think we need to really dig into the details because I think it could tell a different story. Ruth was definitely taking some risks by going through the night in to the threshing floor where women didn't typically go. But she was on a courageous mission. She was bravely facing these risks to provide a future for Naomi and herself. And I think that the details are important. Actually, a lot of scholars think that she was dressing up as a bride. The language, because she wanted, because um, to wash and put on perfume and get dressed in her best clothes, was how they described the bride's attire. And I think she was doing that because she wanted a future, a long-term solution to their destitution. Boaz had only seen her as a poor working widow, and this may have been the first time that she dressed in something other than her mourning clothes, the sat cloth and ashes. She wanted Boaz to see her as a bride, a potential wife, not just a cheap one-night stand. Hmm. Well, what about the fact that this is in the middle of the night? Isn't it pretty scandalous for a woman to be going to the boys' club in the middle of the night? Sure, she was definitely taking a risk, and it could have tarnished her reputation, but she was bravely facing this for herself and Naomi. This would have been a true act of courage. I can't imagine how scary it would have been to carry out this plan through the dark of night like that, not fearing for her safety, but also wondering how Boaz was going to react. What about the fact that respectable women weren't allowed at this man's party? What about that detail? Well, actually, she's probably more likely just needing to have this conversation with Boaz in private. And this may have been her only opportunity and maybe even her last chance to speak to him because the harvest was over. Also, I can totally understand why she would want privacy. Think about how hard that would be to dress up as a bride and go to a man's workplace. You wouldn't necessarily want a lot of people seeing you doing that. But she was really just doing that to provide for her family, for her and Naomi. But what about the description that it has? When she gets there, she uncovers his feet and then asks him to cover her with his tunic. What about that? Well, I mean, yeah, that sounds like it could be kind of scandalous too, but she was just trying to wake him up. She wanted to expose his feet to the cold night air so she could wake him up so she could talk to him. And the phrase cover the phrase that she's saying is the same phrase that Boaz used in chapter two, cover me with your wings. She's imp- she's kind of imploring him, do what you said you were going to do. You said you were going to take care of me. Now you got to follow through with that. And ancient custom tells us that same phrase, cover me with your garment, is actually a marriage proposal. That's how men would propose to women. They would say they would cover the woman with the garment, and that was how they proposed. And so I really don't think I know any women that start a one-night stand with a marriage proposal. And I think in a culture where men arranged all marriages, she was very bold and brave and courageous in going to do this. Really, she was doing it for Naomi, too. When we look at the details uh, with a second light, it actually isn't as scandalous as it first seems. It's not a scandalous seduction. It's actually a woman bravely, courageously going to propose to a man. 
completely unheard of in that culture. But she was doing something that she had to to provide for herself, her future, and for Naomi, for her mother-in-law. And I think that's pretty incredible. In fact, I think that this is something that's pretty noble in her character. And in fact, that is exactly what Boaz says to this situation. Look at verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. Which kindness is he talking about? He's talking about the kindness that Ruth showed to Naomi by going with her back to Bethlehem. And now she's showing another kindness to Naomi. Why? He says, you have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. A noble character in a woman. He's saying, hey, you could have chased after love or a one-night stand or fun, but you didn't. You went to an older man because I am a kinsman redeemer. We'll explain that in just a minute. Because I would provide not only for Ruth, but for Naomi as well. And that's why Boaz says that she's a woman of noble character. That phrase is so important here because we can read it from our modern eyes and say, what scandal is going on here? She's spending the night with this man. But he's saying, no, 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 this is noble. This is character. This is bravery. That phrase, noble character, is actually used of warriors who have done great in battle. And it's used of women in a very prominent place in a chapter of the Bible called Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31.10 We read, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. That's the exact same phrase in Hebrew. And if you've ever read that chapter, Proverbs 31, it's an entire chapter expounding on what it means to be this great woman of character, a courageous, bold woman. And what's really fascinating is that in the Hebrew Bible, the order of the books of the Bible are different than our English Bible. Did you know that? And in the Hebrew Bible, Proverbs, which ends with Proverbs 31, is followed immediately by the book of Ruth. So in chapter 31, you read about what it means to be a woman of noble character, and then boom, here's a story about a woman of noble character, Ruth. She wasn't doing something scandalous there. It was not a one-night stand. She was being courageous and brave. In fact, look at the connections between chapter 31 and our story. In verse 15 of that chapter of Proverbs 31. It says, She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family. When did Ruth go to propose marriage to Boaz? In the middle of the night. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. Wasn't Ruth out in the field every day working all day to provide food for her and Naomi? She opens her arms to the poor. She extends her hands to the needy. See, Ruth was taking care of Naomi, a poor elderly widow. Isn't that what Ruth's doing here? She's taking care of the poor? Ruth really is a woman of noble character. That's what Boaz saw, and I hope that's what we see as well when we look at this story, that we can learn from her to be courageous, not compromising. In the face of so much adversity, she took huge steps of courageous faith, and that's what we have to do sometimes. When we don't know what's ahead, when we don't know what's going to happen, sometimes we have to just take a step and put our feet in the water and move forward into the unknown. My pastor growing up used to always say, pray and go. And I think that's what we have to do sometimes. 
That's right. We have to go. We have to get up and move. We have to go to work. We have to do that thing that's maybe terrifying to us, but we need to be courageous to do it. Maybe it means having that hard conversation with someone, applying for that job, making a big, bold ask like Ruth did. It could be terrifying to you. Maybe it's going to get that medical test done that you've been putting off. I don't know what that hard thing is for you, but I think we can learn from Ruth's example here to be courageous and at the same time not compromising. You know, I think so many times fear can kind of take hold of us, but courage means acting in the face of fear. In fact, FDR once said that. He said courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. I think Ruth would have been terrified going in the night. It was dangerous. Going with all the men after they had been drinking. Going to this man. Who knows what this man Boaz is going to do when a woman comes smelling good in the middle of the night. But she is bold and brave. And we can learn from that. And throughout it all, she didn't compromise her integrity. She may have looked like it was scandalous. She may have risked her reputation. But I think that makes it even more courageous what she did. Even more courageous to say, I I know that I will be viewed scandalous even for centuries to come. But I'm doing this because I'm bold and brave and I'm providing for myself and even for my poor mother-in-law. That's incredible. It's an incredible example to us. And uh, what's really amazing too is what happens next. Because Ruth's courage without compromise actually prompts Boaz to step up. Have you guys ever noticed that sometimes it takes a great woman to bring the best out of a man? Amen. Got one amen. That's what's going to happen next. As Boaz continues to respond to her in verse 12, he says, Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So Boaz here tells, Naomi, tells Ruth to stay the night. Why? Because if she went out again in the night, it'd be dangerous. And he, so he waited till it was light where it'd be less danger. And he protected her that night. And then he kind of snuck her out in the morning so no one would see her. So her reputation wouldn't be tarnished. This whole time he is respecting her and her purity. He says that he will marry her. But there's someone that comes first. Now, this is a strange ancient custom that we're not really familiar with, but it's the idea of a kinsman redeemer. See, in a family, when a husband died and the widow was left, a man who was a close relative, as close as they could relative, was supposed to marry the wife. Now, Boaz was one of the redeemers, but he was not the closest relative, and he knew that. So even though he had this opportunity with this woman, he says, I've got to do things right, legally, in the eyes of the law. I've got to do it right because there's someone who's closer who has the first right of refusal to marry you. And this kinsman redeemer was really significant because they would spend their money to purchase the land from the widow and potentially marry her if she was still in childbearing years. So this would apply to Ruth, right? He would have to care, care for Ruth, care for Naomi, buy all their lands with all his money. And what's even more significant is that he wouldn't actually get to keep the land. Okay, a kinsman redeemer would have to spend their money. They would have to work to tend the land. But then it would pass on to any child that he would have with the widow. 
So he's just a caretaker spending all his money using his good fortune to bless them. And it could jeopardize his own land. Because when that land was passed on to any son that he and Ruth might have, it would take her family name, Elimelech's family name, not Boaz's. So he's giving up a ton here by making this promise, this sacred vow to take care of her. And he doesn't send her away empty-handed in the next couple of verses. He doesn't have a ring to promise his fidelity, so he gives her six measures of grain, which would have been a bunch more food for her and Naomi. And six is an incomplete number, and the Bible seven is the number of completeness. So it's, it's, in a sense, he's promising her that he's not done. He's going to fulfill his commitment to her. It's like his version of an engagement ring. Um, and so when Ruth arrived home, Naomi was, as you can imagine, super eager to hear about how her plan came through and was really happy and it confirmed to her that Boaz was a true man of character too. Yeah, she said, yeah, he's not going to stop until he takes care of this. And that's what Boaz would do, and we'll see that next week. As soon as he could, as soon as he was like, he was going to do it right, and he was going to marry this woman, if it were up to him, and take care of her and Naomi, no matter what it costs him. I think, too, as, as Ruth prompts Boaz with her character, Boaz steps up with his character. And in the same way we see from him that we need to follow his example to be courageous without compromising. See, he's courageous because he knows that this could cost him a lot. It could cost his family fortune and his family name to provide for this woman. But he's willing to do it, to take care of her. And I think that's courage, and it's without compromise because he's not sleeping with her, even though he has this young, attractive woman smelling good at his feet in the middle of the night. He says, no, we're going to do this right. We're going to wait till we're married to consummate this relationship. That's without compromise, isn't it? So I think from his example, we too can learn to be courageous without compromising. I love that about Boaz. I think we need more men like Boaz who are willing to protect women's purity like that. He was very chivalrous. He was. This is a a man of chivalry, and I think those, those men are rare today, right? We know it, men that are willing to open up doors for women that are willing to uh, give up their seat for a pregnant woman, that are willing to take them out for food and, and watch out and protect those who are in need. Yeah, and it's not because men think that, chivalrous men think that women are weaker or incapable, men like Boaz. It's because they, they just do what Paul meant when he said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wife and lay down your life just like Jesus did. This is a costly thing for Boaz to do. could cost him a fortune to take care of this woman and her mother-in-law. I mean, he's inheriting a bitter old mother-in-law too, in this, right? But he said, I'm going to take you along and love her too. This is costly to him and he's willing to do it. One incredible thing about his character is that years later, there were two pillars at the front of the temple. One of them got named after Boaz. This is a great man and he responds to Ruth's character by stepping up his game even more. It takes a good woman to bring out the best in a man sometimes. And I think that's so interesting that we see that here as well. So, man, I want to challenge you too. What do you need to be courageous with? What do you need to step up to do to take care of someone? You know, this is a costly thing, whether we're husbands or fathers, because it could be providing for an entire family. It means working more and longer hours 
keeping that career going even when you want to step down. It's a weight that we carry as men, but we are called to do it. And we can follow the example of Boaz to do it, and we can do it without compromising too. This means we need to do things right, start relationships right. You know what I'm talking about. Waiting till marriage. It's kind of unheard of today, isn't it? And yet Boaz teaches us an example that we should do that in our marriage and relationships as well. So I want to challenge you men to be courageous, not compromising, following Boaz's example. He never compromises. And women, if you want a man like Boaz, you need to be an uncompromising, courageous woman like Ruth. And men, you should want a woman like Ruth who's going to bring out the better man within you. So we see this example, and I think it's pretty clear now that we've examined the details that it's not a scandalous seduction happening on that night on the threshing floor. Here's a a woman and a man of great character, noble character, setting examples for us of courage without compromise. And I think it points us forward to another person who would come who would actually be 100% compromising. Because here's the thing. Every single one of us has compromised our integrity. Every single one of us has sinned. We've all had that opportunity on the threshing floor that night. And maybe we did give in to temptation. But thankfully there was someone who came who was even greater than Boaz, even greater than Ruth, a redeemer. His name was Jesus. And Jesus never once sinned and gave into temptation, though Satan himself tempted him. Jesus never gave in. He always maintained his integrity. He was righteous and pure. And in his holiness, he did something even more amazing because in courage he went to the cross, giving up everything to die on behalf of us sinners. So that when he died on the cross, he could purchase for us our redemption He is our great kinsman redeemer because he laid down his life to purchase for us forgiveness for our sins. And that's the amazing thing because every single one of us is sinful. Every single one of us has compromised in a thousand different ways. But yet Jesus' grace, when he died on the cross for us, is abundant and never-ending. And that grace allows us to be forgiven and to start again with fresh courage and say, today I'm going to be courageous, not compromising. Today I'm going to follow Jesus. And if I fall, I have his grace once again to pick myself up and be courageous again. And we can learn that from the great Redeemer. So as uh, Nikki and the band come back up, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you. There's somebody in here today, maybe there's several people, maybe you're watching online right now and you need to do something bold and courageous. There was one great reformer, Ulrich Zwingli, who said, for God's sake, do something brave. For God's sake, do something brave. We need to be courageous. And all in it, we're keeping our integrity. We're not compromising. But we sometimes do need to do that courageous thing, to have that conversation. Maybe it means ending a relationship. Maybe it means saying no, even though it may cost a relationship. But we are going to be courageous, not compromising. And I want to challenge you to do that. So we're going to have this time of praise and worship and and Nikki and the band. Isn't Nikki doing a great job leading us? Yeah, thank you, Nikki. And and we're going to be able to come before him because sometimes fear can be so, like, just pushing us down, holding us back from doing what we know we need to do. And it's time to stand in Christ, in his grace and forgiveness, knowing we, we are no longer slaves to fear. Let's pray. Lord God, I love the example of Boaz and Ruth. It looked pretty compromising. It looked pretty scandalous. 
But it was in that situation that you showed a great example of courage in Ruth encourage in Boaz that they're willing to lay down their reputation, lay down their money, lay down their lives to serve each other. Lord God, would we learn from their example and when we fall short, that we would turn to the grace in Jesus Christ, the man who was totally courageous, totally uncompromising the whole time, that we could no longer be slaves to fear and we could be brave as we go out here this day and this week. I pray this in Jesus' name. If you're here and you're needing prayer, I'm going to be in the back. Uh, Some staff and elders and prayer team are going to be here. We'll pray with you during these next couple songs as well. Would you please stand and praise our God.